Hello and welcome to Fantasy Live Podcast Week 15 Injury Report Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardy. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk football with Betting Life's finest, Matthew Friedman. You know, Fantasy Life Betting Life. What are we going with here, Friedman? I understand they're two separate entities, but like, man, you're putting me in a tough spot. I'm not the one who who put you in the tough spot. Uh, we'll, we'll blame this on CEO Elliot Chris. We'll say that he put you in the tough spot. Uh, no, you know, fantasy betting—it's all—it's all interrelated. Two sides of the same coin. It's all the same. And it's all the same in terms of having two very much free newsletters with both, which you got to love getting free advice. And I know Freeman, you and the rest of our betting life team, even going to be pumping out some uh, non-football related content here. So I don't know about you guys, but I do enjoy gambling regardless of the sport, especially when it wins me money either way. So make sure you guys subscribe to those. But with that, let's get into the show. And that is breaking down every single fantasy relevant injury ahead of the fantasy playoffs. So Freeman at quarterback. Sadly, ahead of the smash ball against the Titans, we are in all likelihood not going to have C.J. Stroud. I have no idea why they even gave him a doubtful designation with the concussion. He has not practiced all week. Now, we have seen the concussion protocol, you know, evolve later in the year. Guys are magically, you know, recovering faster. Maybe they're taking that miracle water that Russell Wilson referenced, you know, five or six years ago. But really got to believe, Friedman, we're not going to see Stroud out there. And honestly, the fact he didn't practice all week has me concerned about week 16 as well. Yeah, at this point in the season when it feels like the uh, concussion protocol is more of a suggestion than like an actual process, it really highlights uh, what potentially might be the severity of this head injury for Stroud that he's like seemingly not even close because as you mentioned, the doubtful tag, like this just feels like a technicality, like in no way is he doubtful, like he's out. Uh, not practicing at all is like the sign that he's out. And uh, like, you know, I know that we've had our sort of disagreements on the Brock Purdy uh, MVP discussion, but uh, just I think it's maybe just worth noting Brock Purdy, first of the guys to clear the concussion protocol in under a week. So maybe that's just the feather in the MVP cap that he kicked down the door that everyone else is now walking through. I was wondering if we were going to have time or just somehow find a way to talk about the Brock Purdy MVP thing today. Leave it to you to literally bring it up on a CJ Stroud related, uh, literally first guy we're talking about. So you are you are correct. You know, it was uh, first Purdy and then Alexander Madison, I believe, that bucked this, uh, you know, concussion going to miss at least one week trend. But at the, uh, you know. Suggestion of all of our viewers, I'm sure. Let's just uh, keep it on moving because yes. I know we could go for a good hour on that one. So, unfortunately, again, no Stroud. It will be Davis Mills under center. I know, I know, still a good matchup. But, guys, this has always been a good passing matchup, and it's always also been Davis Mills. Was held under 180 passing yards in each of his two meetings against this group last season. Dalton Schultz is coming in as like a tight end 20 in the highest-ranked Texans receiver with Nico Collins also likely out of the picture. Is Noah Brown resting as just a brutal like wide receiver 40 in this one. So pretty much any Texans in those fantasy lineups, good chance they should be on your bench. Geno Smith with the Seahawks here. Not going to know for sure what his official designation is until Saturday because they are facing off against the Eagles on Monday night. But Freeman seems to be moving in a decent direction. Got into limited practice to start the week. And just the fact he was talking to the media, that does tend to be a pretty decent sign. You know, whatever quarterback they send up there to speak is going to be the one ultimately taking the first snap come game time. So he was asked about it today and he actually said, you know, we'll see. So not a complete given here. But if I had put my money down, Freeman, I would expect expect Gino to be out there on Monday night. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the market agrees with you on the, the topic of putting your money down. This line, when it opened, was four and a half favoring the Eagles, and it is now three. So this has very sharply moved towards the Seahawks here. And uh, I think that is the, the betting market saying that it expects Geno Smith to play this week. You have Geno as your QB 16 sitting there as a consensus QB 16 as well. And that is where I will update him to just about uh, once again, I get those updated fancylife.com slash tool slash NFL dash rankings. Always free for all you guys out there with that. Over in Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett out once again with an ankle injury, leaving Mitch Trubisky under center. Friedman, I noted in my, you know, questions article this week that you can find on fantasylife.com that Trubisky and Pickett have, you know, very, very similar numbers in terms of yards per attempt, completion rate, passer rating, and all that. Now, they play a little bit differently. Trubisky is more, you know, likely to throw the ball downfield, maybe, you know, make a few more big-time throws, also a few more turnover-worthy plays. But I know one thing that you've referenced, you know, throughout the season and in the preseason, very helpful, is the difference that, 
each quarterback has the point spread relative to their own team's backup. So how do you have that between Pickett and Trubisky? Like, dare I say, do you even have like Trubisky as any difference at all from Pickett? I think I'm probably alone in this. I have Trubisky as an upgrade on Pickett. <laughs> and part of that is, you know, based on what we've seen out of Pickett this year, it's been pretty uninspiring. And some of that might've been Matt Canada, but part of it is also Trubisky, as you mentioned, he's a little more willing to go downfield. And he's also got that running component that we just haven't seen out of Pickett at this point. And like, we have a larger sample of games with Trubisky in his career to know pretty solidly what he is. What we've seen out of Pickett is a smaller sample, but it hasn't really been all that encouraging except for like the stretch run that we saw out of him last year. But what we've seen out of him this year is pretty uninspiring. So yeah, I have Trubisky as an upgrade on Pickett. Shout out to uh, Denny Carter, one of the you know true OG Twitter goats out there. He uh, said this morning, I love the day after a backup QB throws for like 250 and two touchdowns because everyone has a stat about the guy eclipsing all of Kenny Pickett's numbers in one game. So I woke up to that one, Friedman, after my last tweet of the evening had actually been addressing how, yes, Easton Stick and Aiden O'Connell threw for more touchdowns on Thursday night than Kenny Pickett has this season. You know, and I don't even get tired of the jokes and, uh, you know, kudos to Denny for again hitting that one out of the park. Final note, as always, Aaron Rodgers once again out with the Achilles for a Jets team that has no hope of making the playoffs. Moving on to running back, Miami Dolphins continue to be a bit banged up in their backfield. Raheem Moster was missing some practice throughout the week, but good news, he is not listed on the final injury report. So fire him up as that RB1 he's been virtually all season long. Literally, guys, probably going to finish as the overall RB2 this season. I know we've had, you know, a long list of Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, fancy MVP types. But, man, Mosters could be a tough one to not give that crown to, especially if he finishes this season strong. Freeman, I think the bigger question here is what to make of Devin Achan. Did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday and didn't get the most, you know, ringing endorsement in the world from Mike McDaniel, who basically just said, we'll see what happens out there. So, did return to practice on Friday with his toe injury. He is officially questionable. I'm inclined if he's going to go out there and play and we don't hear anything else to kind of fire him up as that mid-tier RB2 he's been. But how do you feel, Friedman? I believe it might actually be you in those ranks that has uh, A-Chan quite a bit down there. That is correct. You have RB37. Is that just wasn't sure how healthy he was? Okay. Yeah, and it's this is my sort of skeptical sign of I'm not sure he's going to play. They don't need him to play. Well, let me rephrase that. In theory... They don't need him to play to win this game. But I would have said the same thing last week. And they, of course, got beaten by a team that they were favored by 14 points on. So I don't think they need him to win. And the Dolphins have been one of the more kind of conservative medical staffs in terms of like if a guy is listed as a limited practice, but he didn't practice earlier in the week, like it's not a given that he's playing. So, you know, if if he is active, I will have him as an RB2 but I'm not certain he will be active. And I believe this, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, like last week he was dealing with the ribs injury. So this is, in fact, a new issue that uh, he actually has coming to the table. And before that, it was an ankle injury. So man, cannot exactly, you know, get 100% Devin HN out there. That said, these last two weeks, 174 total yards, pair of touchdowns, could have, should have, would have had an 85-yard receiving score added to that tally if Tua was just a bit more accurate there. You know, the, Over, the one thing yeah. I will say quickly about Achan is that like it kind of puts fantasy managers this week in a, a I don't know, not a difficult situation, but you know, because we have the three games on Saturday yeah. and then Achan plays on Sunday, like there's the possibility that someone might have to uh like you know make that decision on Saturday, uh, whether they play Achan and put him in and hope that he starts or whether they go with someone who's starting on Saturday. So hopefully we get some more positive indication on HN before some of those Saturday games run. But like, it's not like a slam dunk this week, the way that it normally is just because of those Saturday games. A great point, and especially because we have a couple guys on Saturday, namely Ty Chandler, who kind of stand out as the sort of players that I think he probably should be starting, you know, with a little bit of uncertainty here. Because how do you, I mean, there's, you know, not to get ahead of everything, but Devin Achan does seem truly questionable. And the same thing goes for Chris Olave Friedman, who's kicking off at 1 p.m. on Sunday. I mean, when you look at Achan and Olave, like for you, when we talk about like not risking it, is that drop off to someone like Ty Chandler, you know, kind of that borderline RB2? for us is that someone where you just say yeah give me ty chandler you know that's going to be better than having to go down to whoever the hell else you're going to have behind these guys on sunday 
That's a good question because Ty Chandler, he's like right on that borderline of like RB2, RB3, like he's he's usable. So I think it really is like a case by case basis. Like you as the fantasy manager, you kind of need to see like some people will be in a position where they need a Chan in their lineup and they need him to go off in order for them to have a chance to win this week. You know, if it's more borderline and it's like, okay, I just need to make sure that I don't take a zero in this spot, then I think maybe you pivot to uh, to Chandler or like to someone else in that vein so i think it, it's a little bit more of a question this week really does seem like a great spot if he can be healthy not you know due in large part due to the reality that mother nature could be impacting this one the two matchups that we do have the most concern with are jets at the dolphins where there's a chance of rain winds of 20 miles per hour sustained with gusts up to 35 so again slight downgrades for those passing attacks and could see a bit more run heavy approach than usual also with the falcons at the panthers but let's be honest desmond ritter bryce young under center not like those passing games you know we're exactly standing out too much to begin with Jonathan Taylor out for another week with the thumb injury for the Colts. So Zach Moss, once again, setting up as a nice bounce back candidate. He is ranked between the RB7 and the RB11 by Fantasy Life rankers of all shapes and sizes. For even people, better have a pretty damn good reason to put Moss near that fantasy bench, albeit I do understand the frustration with the production over the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It hasn't been what we would have hoped for, but the usage has been there. I mean, I feel like Dwayne McFarlane, like the utilization, you know, but it's there. You look at the free utilization report we have at fantasy life and you see like he's locked in as the guy, the production hasn't been there. I think he had a touchdown called back last week. Uh, I mean, you would know better than I would with all the, the sheesh work that you do, but I mean, like it was, it was close, you know? So like, yeah, he's uh, a top 12 running back. You just have to hope that the production is actually there. 10-yard touchdown nullified last week. Week before, got stopped at the one. Then Gardner Minshew, I think, snuck it in or threw it in. So very much getting close, guys. Just got to keep on following that sweet, sweet volume. When it's in a great offense like the Colts, that's the thing. And yeah, great. I mean, they're a top 10 scoring offense. I don't know what else to call them at this point. Even if we don't want to say great, I mean, there's a difference to me between someone like Zach Moss and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, we're talking about the ninth-ranked scoring offense in the 32nd. Give me Moss. Over with the Jets, Brees Hall, not listed with his ankle injury, so feel you know good about firing him up as that kind of mid-tier RB2 he has been for most of the season. On the other side of things, though, Freeman, we do have Ramondre Stevenson once again out with the Patriots, so I just mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he did have freaking 29 touches last week. I understand Ty Montgomery's not going to be a factor, but man, if you just look at the implied point totals for every team this week, only the Jets at 13.75 are implied for fewer points than the Patriots it's at 14.25 so i've seen kind of some deferring you know sentiments in the industry you have him at rb 13 i think our own matthew barry had him like rb8 overall and i get it i mean anyone with that sort of volume should warrant this must start treatment i have him as my rb 21 i would like to think that's going to be starting in most of these lineups but man freeman like just because week 14 went okay for this patriots offense i don't want to pretend like that we should be expecting them to even score a touchdown against the chiefs this week yeah, we are uh, the the furthest apart in the rankings. I am at 13, you have him at 21. So we're still like saying he's, you know, like an RB2-ish. You should be starting him in your lineup. But I am uh, much more optimistic on him. But it's like an optimism that makes me want to throw up. Like this is like one of the most, like this is a sign of where we are in the season. You know, that someone like Zeke is like actually a viable, like near RB1. It's a sign of how weird this season in particular has been that someone like Zeke is still hanging around, Uh, you know, and some of it is a little bit of the matchup. Uh, you know, going against the Chiefs, who are number 31 in defensive rush EPA. So although the uh, the Patriots aren't implied to score many points at all, it is at least still a decent matchup on the ground for Zeke. And then this is the ultimate sign that like volume is king. You know, as you mentioned, Stevenson is out. We saw that same situation last week and Zeke was just an absolute monster, like a 91% snap rate. Like that is a super elite number. And in the two weeks uh, that he's had, you know, without Stevenson here, he's had 232 yards and a touchdown, 39 carries, 13 targets. Like that is just like that is old school Zeke type of volume right there. So like we're not going to get old school Zeke efficiency, but I mean, beggars cannot be choosers in this spot. Like people are desperate for RB production and Zeke might give it this week. 
right now in the consensus ranks ahead of guys like James Cook, Javante Williams, Devin A. Chan, DeAndre Swift, and Jerome Ford. So we pretty much have him, I think, ranked appropriately as like the lowest kind of bell cow volume-based RB2 type of option. So again, more lineups than not should certainly be in there, even if we want to argue about specifically where in the RB2 spots. A couple running backs that are not breaking our top 24 options come from Kansas City because we have Isaiah Pacheco, once again, sidelined with a shoulder injury that he actually had surgery on this week. So Jarek McKinnon did lead the way in terms of snaps and the, you know, route rate last week, but it was Claude Edwards-Alaire leading the way in the touches department. So as always, McKinnon ended up having more fantasy points because he converted one of his, you know, few touches into a score. But ultimately, Friedman, it's an offense that just hasn't been clicking at all. I mean, some of the stats are so damning. I believe our producer, uh, Ed, for the uh, LG show we we're talking to today, said Mahomes is the QB 25 since week eight. Like, it's even if that's not true, man, it's pretty close to being true. Like, it has been miserable out there in KC over the better part of the last uh, month and a half. And just, man, with Claude Edwards-Alaire sitting there as, what, the RB 30 one in our consensus ranks most close starts to questions give me the other guy especially with his Patriots defense starting to really kind of return to form over these past few weeks yeah I have Edwards Alaire at 32 and McKinnon at 33 uh in half PPR and honestly I'm probably a little bit too high on Edwards Alaire there and maybe a little bit too low on McKinnon who you know does have the pass catching capability and like he's you know kind of like the goal line back whenever Pacheco is out so you know McKinnon not a terrible option but like as you mentioned this is just not the offense that we've grown accustomed to with the Chiefs so not really ringing endorsements on either of these guys over in Minnesota, we do have Alexander Madison out with an ankle, meaning it should be the Ty Chandler show. If you look at the running backs this year in Minnesota, I mean, he has 62 touches this year. And then Kenny Nwanu has four. Miles Gaskin, Dwayne McBride have not touched the ball. So it's similar to kind of Tajay Spears in Tennessee when we've kind of been talking about him in past weeks where, no, we're not positive that Ty Chandler is going to have a featured role, but just based on how he's been used as a backup relative to the other guys on the roster, it would make sense if he does end up getting featured more downs than not so coming in Freeman I'm as as high as RB22 you and Waz are lowest at RB29 again we can kind of go through you know should he be a low-end RB2 or a high-end RB3 but I think he's someone you know that we have ahead of the Ravens running backs the Chiefs running backs the Texans running backs pretty much ahead of you know anyone that isn't looking at getting the same sort of 20 plus touch potential uh workload that he's looking at yeah, he is super boomer bust. If you look yeah. at what he's done in the past four games where he's gotten decent volume in that sample, he's had three yards per carry, 7.3 yards per carry, two and 2.9. So it's like this guy is either going to give you nothing or he's going to break a long run and maybe that turns into a touchdown. But that's that's kind of the type of player that we're dealing with here. So again, not too shabby, but also kind of like Zeke and some of these other guys, maybe not something that needs to be jammed in the lineups of all shapes and sizes. Because I know I have a couple of leagues, guys. You know, you pick up someone like Ty Chandler, you see him on every waiver wire article, and you feel like you need to start him. But just remember, you know, just the fact that you got him on your squad and block someone else is a bit of a win in its own right. Over in Jacksonville, Travis Etienne, Dearness Johnson, both good to go. I mean, you talk about bad efficiency going on, Friedman. Etienne, under four yards per carry in seven of his last eight games, tied with Ezekiel Elliott in yards per carry in the year 2023. Not, not, not good there. But hey, you know what? We still get some receiving work. We get the touchdown upside. Still a top 12 recommended RB for us this week, despite the tough matchup against the Ravens. Also in Pittsburgh, Najee Harris continues to, you know, have a random DM and we panic and then it comes out on Friday that he doesn't even have an injury designation so he is good to go for Saturday's matchup against the Colts and sadly man uh, shout out to Kyle Dvorak for kind of pointing this out had a funny tweet about it but ever since we got word that Jalen Warren was announced as a team starter uh, the workload hasn't changed at all Friedman so as much as Warren has been the league's most efficient running back yards per carry yards after contact missed tackles force you name it he's been the best and Najee to be fair like yeah he's been worse than Warren relative to him but everyone's been worse than Warren relative to, again, the numbers he's putting up. Najee's been fine, but as long as they're splitting things right down the middle in an offense that, again, isn't exactly lighting up the scoreboard, tough to get either guy inside the top 24. 
Absolutely. I think they're both right on that borderline of RB2, RB3 in any given week. One of them can maybe go off for Harris. It's probably scoring the touchdown if he goes off for uh, for Warren. It's just, you know, fantastic efficiency. But uh, I, yeah, you you can make the case like depending on how your your lineup shakes and the players you've picked up off of waivers, like there's a, a chance that maybe you're not starting either of these guys this week if you have a really good team. Uh, if you have to start one of them, you're just kind of hoping that this is the week that, you know, he actually does go off. I think the matchup they have and just, again, the efficiency with Warren uh, in particular, like I will take both those guys over the Chiefs, over the Texans, running backs, maybe even over the Packers. Uh, we'll talk about more about that situation in a little bit and also over the Ravens. So not saying you can't put them in there, but again, just give me more often than not the Chubas, the Zeeks, the guys that maybe they are even in worse situations than Pittsburgh somehow. Can you believe it? Uh, but we just expect them to get, again, more condensed volume than what's going on in this split backfield. Another split split backfield is in Cleveland, but they are all at least healthy. Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, and Pierre Strong Jr. all not listed on the final injury report, but Bears run funnel defense is just causing us to not be too overly high on Jerome Ford. So still our consensus RB 22, but yeah, still falling behind guys like DeAndre Swift, Devin A. Chan, Javante Williams, Ezekiel Elliott, amongst others. Any notes on these Browns running backs, Friedman, sadly going to be out without another starting tackle in Dewan Jones for the rest of the season. Yeah, nothing really to say about Jerome Ford, who, you know, the leader of the backfield, but uh, low end RB2. But I, I mean, I guess thinking about the guys we just talked about, I would probably play Ford ahead of Warren, ahead of Najee, you know, about which like, yeah, I would probably play him ahead of Chandler. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Even with I Hunt so. probably getting 10 carries, you know, Browns versus Vikings offenses, kind of like a wash. Yeah, I think. I think uh, I have a little more faith in that Browns offense, um, but uh, I don't know, man. And I, I do have more faith in, in Ford than Chandler. Yeah. Like Chandler can just be so hit or miss. He might be Whereas really like bad. Ford, <laughs> like we have a better sense of what he is. I also think that one game you referenced where he had the nice yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of that came on like a fake punt or something. It was a fake just, punt. That's yeah, right. Busted like 40 yards. So, yep. Hey, not saying Chandler can't get it going, but it is a uh, fair point. We have seen Ford really ever since Chubb went down show, you know, ability to create some big plays and also, you know, lately been catching the ball a bit more with Flacco under center. So luckily wrist injury, again, not going to be limiting him. A running back who will be limited enough to be on the sideline is commanders are be one Brian Robinson coming out of the bye wasn't able to get back out there and he is officially out with that hamstring injury so it's good news for Antonio Gibson Friedman it's just not as good a news as we've seen in past years I mean if this injury happened down the stretch of 2022 and J.D. McKissick was also out we'd be talking about Gibson as a legit top 10 play at the position however in the year 2023 we got to worry about Chris Rodriguez taking away some of that early down work so how do you project Gibson in this because the game script should be fine they're going Going up against the Rams in LA, like we're fully expecting them to want to keep their foot on the gas and throw the football, which is good for Gibson. I'm just concerned if we even see him, you know, having a carried uh, number that starts with a one, let alone a two. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's a good question. I think I'm actually going to be kind of optimistic on him. Um, with no, as you mentioned, the game script should set up well for him as the receiving back to be on the field. I think with no Brian Robinson, he's still going to be probably the preferred runner in the backfield ahead of Rodriguez. And when we've seen him as the lead back on the team, he's actually been pretty good. Now it's, you know, different circumstances, but like this offense is actually decent, uh, under, you know, a, a new offensive coordinator versus when we really saw Antonio Gibson as the lead back last year. So I don't know, low end RB two high end RB three. Like right now I have him as the RB 35, but that was under the assumption that right. we'd have Brian Robinson with a better chance of playing. So now that Robinson is out, I think I will probably have Gibson in the like high twenties, you know, like probably like anywhere from like 27 to 29 or 30. Would you start him over the Pittsburgh backs? No, I don't think I could do that. Uh, oh. Maybe over, maybe over Najee, probably yeah. not over Warren. So that's a, okay. That's going to be about the mid twenties. You're still starting Jerome Ford, Chuba Hubbard over Gibson. Probably. Yeah, yes. On Ford. Chuba's you know tough. what? Actually, no, 
Gibson, I think I'd put ahead of Ford. Okay. Okay. So he's going to be right there kind of with the DeAndre Swifts, the James Cook, the Javante Williams of the world. I do think I would prioritize those three specific ones over him. But yeah, Gibson very well might be like our consensus RB24 once this is shaping up. So yeah, still a pretty nice jump going from, again, someone that was sending more as a borderline RB3 for sure. Over in Green Bay, this situation sucks. And I would, uh, you know, just caution people to kind of temper your expectations all the way around. Winnable enough matchup at home against a Buccaneers defense that just when you think they get healthy, you look at their injury report again and see just how many starters they could be without. But yes, both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are questionable. Jonesy with a knee and Dillon with a thumb. So neither of these guys has had practice in full all week. Dillon at least returned the practice field on Friday, but he was limited. Jones practiced all week, but it was limited and he did the exact same thing last week and then proceeded to not play. So I think Matt LaFleur has actually given us, you know, some pretty good reads throughout the season in terms of Jones health. And we just haven't quite gotten that. Yes, he's ready to go. We are ready to let it rip uh, sign once again. So honestly, Friedman, it does seem like there's potential here for Patrick Taylor to end up taking uh, something close to a featured role in Green Bay. And honestly, it's just like, even if Jones plays, man, if Jones plays and Dylan is out, then I think we can talk about Jones, you know, maybe, maybe creeping into that top 24, maybe around that exact same range we just talked about with Antonio Gibson, uh, if I had to guess. But if, uh, you know, we see Jones out and Dylan plays, which has been the case for the last few weeks, man, if you didn't like Dylan's pass game role the way it was, you know, add a broken thumb to the equation, and I'm not a Dr. Friedman, but I don't see those uh, targets going up. So just a big mess here. And I think probably the most likely answer is just no yeah um the dylan situation really unfortunate because it could be a good matchup going against a bucks defense that is missing defensive tackles missing linebackers you're at home you're favored it could have been a good spot but uh i'm skeptical that we see him play i actually have even though he um he didn't have as much practice participation this week as Aaron Jones. I'm a little more optimistic on Dylan playing versus Aaron Jones um, because just the, the Packers, like once a guy has been out, they really kind of want to have a long runway on his practice before he returns. Um, you know, whereas with a guy who has been playing and he's missed a couple of practices, but comes back, but hasn't missed a game yet. I'm just more optimistic on him continuing to see action on Sundays. So I still favor Dylan over Jones at this point, but it's a negative situation. And as you mentioned, like Patrick Taylor, like that actually, like I would probably just prefer as a fantasy investor, you know, to see Dylan sit out, Jones sit out and let's like give the whole workload to Patrick Taylor yeah. and see if he can like scrounge up an RB one type of performance. Yeah, I think that is probably like, again, if we just had to try like who, what running backs are in or out to produce the biggest uh, performance, I think somehow it ends up being Patrick Taylor. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Browns a couple years ago when we had these like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt dueling injuries, and then they would both miss games. And then Dearness Johnson, Dearness Johnson, up, you yeah. Know, bigger numbers than even Chubb and Hunt were putting up when they were yeah. out there. So just that goes to show you again. And how volatile this RB position can be on a week to week basis, week to week league, uh, as I like to say about the NFL. Few more running back uh, injuries that aren't really moving the needle much. Saints uh, Jamal Williams is questionable with a groin. His role is expected to get you know reduced to almost nothing once again with Taysom Hill back injury. Uh, anyway, also Kendra Miller is once again out with that ankle injury. Rico Dowdle good to go with the Cowboys, just playing through an ankle injury. But realize guys still only owned in a mere eleven percent of Yahoo League. So God forbid something happens to Tony Pollard. Rico could be next week's you know Ty Chandler Zamir White sort of person. That'd be a lot cooler. If he was on your bench now and a similar sentiment is true in San Francisco, not with Elijah Mitchell who remains out with that knee injury, but with Jordan Mason, who I do believe guys is the handcuff to have behind CMC because Mitchell is actively dealing with this issue. So could he get healthy, you know, immediately. And then all of a sudden he retakes that handcuff role. Yes, but it doesn't look good out there for even now when they brought him back this week, he was limited on Wednesday. And then when you get downgraded to back-to-back -back DMPs, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. I've said that a million times here but does not seem good out there so any thoughts on these Freeman? i know they're more kind of perspective handcuff uh, notes than anything yeah the jordan mason one is really interesting to me because you know we've seen that shanahan system be able to get production for a number of running backs some of whom like are 
kind of nobodies before they actually get into the NFL. And with a, a, a really large spread for the 49ers in this game, going against a Cardinals defense that can't stop anyone, like you can kind of squint your eyes and see how like Jordan Mason could fall into the end zone. You know, like that's like it happened last week. Like, I mean, it's not as if like, hey, give this guy a minimum of four carries and he's going to score a touchdown. But that actually is what has happened this year. Like every time that this guy has had at least four carries in a game, he has scored a touchdown. Now, that's like probably like more of a sign of like the type of runner he is. Like if they're going to put him in the game, it might be in short yardage. And also if he's in a game, maybe it's because they're just blowing out an opponent and he has the chance to, you know, get some yardage score a touchdown. So it might be that kind of game script here. And like in no world, are you going to be starting Jordan Mason or anything like that? But it is kind of the sign of like, Hey, whenever he's on the field, like he does have the opportunity to score a touchdown he's probably the handcuff to own at this point. And like, certainly you want to roster pieces of that high upside offense in the case that a running back gets injured, like Christian McCaffrey, super durable player this year, but he's a running back. Running backs get injured. Any, anyone who gets carries in that offense can put up production. So yeah, Jordan Mason, I would be very interested in adding him. If uh, you're in a league that still has active waivers at this point. And I know the 49ers, I want to say they have like a 54% chance of clinching the one seed. Like they should have it if they went out. But because the Cowboys and Eagles are also 10 and 3, Niners would probably need to win these next two games and then somehow have the Cowboys and Eagles drop theirs in order for week 17 to be meaningless Freeman. But God forbid it was, man. And we have a San Fran team with nothing to play for. And we get Jordan Mason unleashed against the Commanders as the RB1. Just saying weirder things have yeah. happened here in yeah. uh, fantasy football land. All right, guys. That's true. Yeah. Multiple, multiple outs for how the Jordan Mason thing could end up hitting. Again, just keep an eye on those, uh, especially when we get into week 18. I'm sure that'll end up being what this entire show is, just kind of talking about what teams still have to play for. Makes for a hell of a ride in DFS. And speaking of DFS, no better place to play than over at DraftKings because, guys, the holiday season is approaching and the NFL season is going strong. Fantasy Life has partnered up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NFL. And right now they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no-sweat bet on any same-game parlay or same-game parlay X. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using the code INJURYPOD. That's INJURYPOD. And if you're a new customer, you are definitely going to want to listen up because right now on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can do with your $150 in bonus bets? Well, combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout. And also, sports betting is not yet available in your state. Not to worry, you can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. More on that here in just a little bit when we get to our DraftKings Injury of the Week. But guys, moral of the story, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All customers can use the promo code INJURYPOD and get a no-sweat bet. Get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlay bet loses. Max reward limits apply. And again, Again, that's promo code InjuryPod only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Over at wide receiver Freeman, some of the biggest names, unfortunately, drawing those questionable tags. Luckily, Justin Jefferson has already told us that he will be playing through that chest injury. So new quarterback in Nick Mullins, you know, yeah, maybe we can't have the same overall wide receiver one expectations that we would if Captain Kirk was under center. But it's Justin Jefferson. If he's healthy enough to go out there, guess what? We're starting him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, I can see why there would still be some, I won't say pessimism, but caution because he hasn't played, you know, serious snaps in months, but yeah, he's Justin Jefferson when he's out there, he's a, you know, a wide receiver one, like at the lowest, if not the wide receiver one. Joshua Dobbs now third string QB after throwing that hospital ball to Justin Jefferson. They say, we never want to see you again. Go back to NASA. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Dolphins, obviously wide receiver one. And in a lot of people's opinions, not Friedman, uh, the potential MVP of the league. He is officially questionable uh, going into Sunday with an ankle injury and did not practice all week. Hey, it's also a brutal, brutal matchup against Sauce Gardner and the Jets. Nothing is looking good for Tyreek Hill here. That said, Friedman, if he manages to go out there and play, I will not be the man that puts him anywhere near that fancy bench. Had nine catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown against his very same secondary back in Week 12. Now it's after dropping a fade touchdown right in Sauce Gardner's grill on, I believe, the first or second drive of the game. So 
it sucks. I wish he didn't have this matchup. I wish the weather couldn't be an issue. I wish he wasn't dealing with an ankle injury, but Freeman, it's also Tyree Kill. And my God, this guy is absolutely gunning for that 2000 yard mark. If he is healthy enough to get out there and suit it up, man, I don't know how you can't play him. I get not ranking him as the overall wide receiver one, but how low can you really go with it? It's Tyree Kill. Yeah, I mean, it's as you mentioned, the the ankle injury, like an ankle injury on its own is kind of concerning for a guy who relies on speed. The weather is an obvious concern. The matchup is an obvious concern. I still have him as like wide receiver three. This is, you know, this is all assuming that he actually does play. Yeah. Um, the the you know back to back to back DNPs this week uh, that is certainly not encouraging. But the fact that they listed him as questionable, you know, like I, I think he really is going to go out there and try to play. And most of the time, I'm really skeptical on someone who doesn't practice at all actually playing. But I feel like this is one of those situations where they're going to do it with Tyreek. Also, I feel like it really hurts that he has only six days to recover from the injury yeah. instead of the seventh day. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. the whole situation sucks, but as you mentioned, like he's Tyreek Hill. There's only so far down the rankings that you can put him and like not having him in the top three just feels kind of blasphemous at this point. And I saw, obviously, the injury happen. Like, that was bad. But let's remember, guys, Tyreek Hill, I mean, that dude is a warrior out here. He has kind of turned into this generation's Julio Jones, though, where we do see him miss practices. We do see him hobble off in the sideline. And then just when you're checking your phone to see, like, is he questionable to return? What's going on? You look up and you see him making another big play downfield. So out of all these wide receivers out here, Freeman, like, I'm with you. I just trust Tyreek to maybe be able to play through this a bit better and just more than the typical guy out there. Over in Cincinnati, there was some early week concern about Jamar Chase. I don't think he even practiced to start the week with that ankle injury, but got in the full session on Thursday and does not have a final designation. So he is good to go, as is Tyler Boyd. So Jake Browning has the exact same numbers pretty much. You know, he's one or two with uh, Brock Purdy. But actually, I got a nice thing to say about Purdy. Browning is, I think, who a lot of people believe Purdy is Friedman. Because, you know, when I know you've been, you know, in these arguments for the last week, the first thing people want to say about Purdy is like, yo, he just dinks and dunks it, which isn't true. He's like 16th in average target depth. It's Jake Browning, who is dead last in ADOT at 5.6 yards, the only quarterback among 42 under that six-yard mark. So I uh, checked it earlier, and it's like P.J. Walker and Jake Browning are the only quarterbacks this year with uh, over 20% of their passing yards coming directly from screens, and like only one other quarterback was over 15%. So I'm definitely not crowning uh, Jake Browning here by any stretch of the imagination, despite, you know, the solid enough yards uh i do think this could turn pretty bad though in a hurry freeman against a brian flores led vikings defense that man if they can take away that easy stuff make jake browning hold that ball for an extra second those blitzers might have a heyday down there in uh, minnesota cincinnati yeah 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 you're you're right the i'm worried about you know the uh as you mentioned the brian flores defense which has been incredibly impressive this year especially because like there's less uh like actual talent on that vikings defense yeah. this year in terms of personnel than there was last year like they got rid of a number of key starters in that defense uh but yeah tough tough spot here for the Bengals offense, but of course, uh, Jamar Chase, as you mentioned, fully healthy or like healthy enough at this time of the year practice in full on Friday. Uh, I mean, there's only so far down the rankings that you can put him. So I think he's on that like wide receiver one wide receiver two, borderline given the matchup and given the quarterback position. Yes, yeah, seriously, that Vikings D points allowed in their last eight games in chronological order, 13, 17, 10. 28, 19, 21, 12 into the 63-point Las Vegas Raiders. Zero over four quarters of action. How about them apples? Down in Chicago, we do have DJ Moore officially questionable with the ankle injury. That said, Friedman, he had kind of classic DMP on Wednesday, limited practice on Thursday, and a full session on Friday. So I don't know about you, but I am expecting him to suit up. Not ideal, but we still do have someone who's scored or gained 100 plus yards in seven consecutive games with a healthy Justin Fields under center. DJ Moore coming in as the consensus wide receiver 14 in the ranks. He should be started in far more lineups than not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will probably be bumping him up from the wide receiver 13 where I have him. Um, you know, that was kind of 
you know, made earlier in the week when it was a little less certain that he would play. I'm, you know, even with the, uh, the questionable tag that he has, you know, close to a hundred percent certain that he's going to play given the full practice. And as you mentioned, his splits with, uh, Justin Fields and without him are just absolutely fantastic. 829 yards and eight touchdowns from scrimmage mm-hmm. is what he has in the eight full games with Justin Fields. I mean, this is like, like, uh, I mean, obviously you extrapolate that out over 17 game season. It's like, okay, well this guy is like having like an all pro caliber type of season. And like, we've always known that DJ Moore had that like within his range of outcomes. He was just hamstrung by uh, the quarterback situation and the offensive system for years uh, with Carolina. But like what we've seen out of him with Chicago has just been incredibly illuminating. So thrilled for DJ Moore. Uh, and obviously like if you're having him, like there's just no question that you're starting him and like he could get even better cause he's still young. Like he's still only like 26, uh, maybe 27 at this point, but like he could still be ascending in his career and have like some seasons that are even better in the future. So, uh, DJ Moore, like optimistic about him this week and optimistic about him for the long term. Maybe gives a little bit of hope out there to uh, Jerry Judy truthers Freeman, because I know DJ Moore was someone who got caught in Steve Smith's uh, crosshairs, you know, I think more so coming, you know, with that, you know, Panthers, obviously the history uh, they have. But yeah, you know, Steve didn't have the nicest things to say about DJ Moore a, a couple years ago, and now he is proving uh, capable. I say that as someone that just drafted entirely too much Jerry Judy this year and is still very much hurt by that choice. But yeah, I remember all those years, the hashtag free DJ Moore. He has been freed and we should be feeling great about that. We kind of already talked about the Texans Freeman where Nico Collins actually questionable, but after not practicing all week and with presumably no CJ Stroud, I have a very hard time believing he is going to be out there. So Noah Brown also questionable, but he was limited all week, which kind of matches what he's been doing here over the past few weeks. So should be Robert Woods and Noah Brown as the full-time members with John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson rotating as the number three wide receiver. Again, Noah Brown is the top option here, but he's not even cracking the top 40 options in the fantasy life consent ranks that's life with davis mills under center i think the far bigger you know matchup not matchup injury here for even is actually our DraftKings injury of the week shout out to DraftKings because there's a lot of implications here with chris alave now being officially questionable and being called a game time decision with that ankle injury so where i think this gets huge freeman i mean if alave is out First of all, that makes a returning Rashid Shahid all of a sudden a potential low-end wide receiver three. Michael Thomas is still on IR. Shahid hasn't played for the last few weeks, but we know he's going to be the top target earner over guys like Keith Kirkwood and A.T. Perry and Lynn Bowden and all the other, you know, Jags they've been running out there. And also, if you take Alave out of the picture, we have a returning Taysom Hill, who I would presume could be more involved on a snap-by-snap basis in an offense that maybe wants to involve the run game more. So, hey, it's a winnable enough match up for sure. If Alave's out there at home against the Giants, you know, it's not great in practice this week, but even then, I think it'd be a hard time, you know, dropping him too far in those ranks. So again, a lot of moving parts here, Friedman. Where you fall in all this? I'm going to assume that Olave doesn't play this week. It just, and I know like it feels weird to say like, okay, very similar situation. Tyreek Hill didn't practice at all this week. They'll not totally confident that he's playing, but leaning that direction. Whereas like Olave, similar situation, DNPs all week, questionable. And I kind of feel like he's not going to play. Um, but that's just the vibe that I'm, I'm kind of getting out of, uh, out of new Orleans here. And if he's not playing, then as you mentioned, that's obviously great news for Rashid Shahid, who I imagine would be functioning as the the number one wide receiver there. And like, that's not like a role that we normally think of for him. Like he is, it feels like he's like the quintessential high end wide receiver three within an yeah. offense where like, if you surround him with two other guys who can help draw coverage, then Shahid has like that capability, like every three games of getting like 75 yards and a touchdown. Like, I feel like he's probably a little miscast as the number one wide receiver, but I mean, all that target volume, I think will probably be going to him because he's a clear tier above A.T. Perry and Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, And, uh, you know, but obviously you mentioned Taysom Hill. We can talk about him a little bit coming back from the injury. It feels like he might be a guy who really benefits. And I'll just say like Shahid 
not even listed on the injury report this yeah. week, uh, even though uh, he was out the past two weeks with the thigh injury, practiced in full on Friday and you know not listed on the final report. So like, I feel like he's probably close to full health, which is, uh, I mean, obviously a good thing for him because like he needs that speed, but I don't know. I, I will have to think about how high I put him. Wide receiver, I mean, he's a wide receiver three if there's no one else in that offense that they're throwing to. Yeah, I mean, when you start looking at, I, I kind of looked at that like Marquise Brown area where I think we have him like wide receiver 36, 37. We're also a little bit confused about his health. You know, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks. I think that's about the area he goes. If you want to bump him down a little bit into the, you know, Romeo Dobbs, Gabe Davis range of things, that's fine. But I really think at a minimum, Freeman, he's going to be in the top 40. Yeah, I mean, top 40 feels right. I would probably say like mid 30s is I think where I will settle. But this is a little bit off the radar for me because I was not thinking he was going to play this week. They updated it last I heard it was like on Saturday where I think Nick Underhill reported like it was more serious than they initially thought it was. And that's why he missed the back to back game. So I just wasn't expecting him to even be starting off this week with the practices, letting it let alone get in that full session by the end of the week. So hopefully we do know more on Alave by Sunday. But again, guys, like I know in my home league uh, playoffs I'm dealing with right now, I have Chris Alave going on Sunday and I'm probably going to have to, you know, go ahead and just go with Ty Chandler on Saturday if I don't feel good enough about the rest of my positions and that's just what you need to ask yourself so again vikings Bengals, steelers colts broncos and lions those are going to be your saturday matchups to keep an especially close eye on over in pittsburgh deontay johnson he has had so many of these weeks friedman where a random injury pops up has him as like a dmp on thursday after not even being listed to start the week and then he comes back friday practices in full and he's not even listed on the on the injury report so that's exactly what happened this week it's a winnable enough matchup against the colts you know he has scored in back-to-back weeks wild thing to say you know after what we went through last year that said you know hasn't cleared 60 yards in the game in five consecutive contests so with deontay again i think we've kind of mentioned where he is uh in the in the realm of things. You have him as the wide receiver 30. I have him as the wide receiver 35. Perfectly solid wide receiver three. Just not someone you need to jam the lineups of all shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And not worried about the the knee injury. Like he has, as you mentioned, these weeks that just pop up where he starts the week fine. There's a DNP and it's like, oh, wait a minute. This seems like uh, he might miss the week. This is out of nowhere. And then he's full practice or limited practice the next the next session and not even listed on the final injury report. It's just like another one of those things for him. Very strange indeed. All right, guys, some Cardinals injuries. And remember, they are coming off the bye week. That said, still some question marks in the air. We have Michael Wilson questionable after practicing in limited fashion all week dealing with this neck injury. And also Marquise Brown questionable with the heel injury. So Marquise actually did manage to go out there, Friedman, and he practiced on Thursday and Friday in a limited fashion after not practicing on Wednesday. Meanwhile, Wilson was still limited. And again, when you're still limited and you don't get in a full session with a neck injury it just seems like something where i would not be all that confident in wilson playing hollywood on the other hand i mean we've had weeks here where he's had this heel injury not practice all week and then gone out there and had his usual role on sunday so i'm not exactly thrilled about hollywood i kind of mentioned like we have him ranked right now behind guys like brandon cooks t higgins deontay johnson still top 40 just not you know this super elevated guy i just think it'll probably be brown rondale Moore, greg dorch for another week maybe we'll get michael Wilson back in week 16. That's interesting. I'm a little more optimistic on Michael Wilson starting this week, but I feel like even if he does, we're probably not starting him for fantasy. Very true. (laughs) So, you know, but uh, it is something that I'm, I'm monitoring. I mean, we got the Eagles matchup in week 17, man. That's what we need everyone healthy for. So whatever you yes. guys are doing in Arizona, just get right for that one. Your fantasy managers would appreciate it. Over in Green Bay, Christian Watson, doubtful with the hamstring. Dontavian Wicks, questionable with an ankle, but I would say he is on the wrong side of that. And then Jaden Reed is not listed with his ankle injury. So should be Reed, Romeo Dobbs, and then Malik Heath out there, primarily in three wide receiver sets. Jaden Reed is the you know big wild card here. Like Friedman, man. I mentioned that quickly in my league. I'll make this all about me just for a second. It's between Alave, Ty Chandler, and Jaden Reed. It's got my mind in a pretzel. Like, who would you pick in that predicament? Oh, man. I know. Okay, well, uh, to ask this or the question, like, very specific to you, do you feel you're an underdog in this matchup? No, I'm favorite. He just uh, ran Eckler. I'm like a 60-40 favorite. 
I would probably go Ty Chandler just because like, you know, running the running back touches, uh, you just kind of have to rely on that. You know, wide receivers can be a little more volatile. Actually, also, is it half PPR or PPR? It's half, which I think also half PPR. Ty. Yeah, I would probably go Chandler. Okay, good man, good man. You guys, you guys know it's serious when we're you know actually reaching out and getting the questions here. I yeah. had Freeman, I had Freeman text me a couple of weeks ago, just a quick like dynasty uh, trade. Like, just right. want to make sure I'm uh, not off base on that. So yeah, I I appreciate the help, my friend. But on Jaden Reed here, like I'm, I am very optimistic about him this week. Yeah. As as you mentioned, uh, you know Christian Watson almost certainly out. I'm uh, with you, skeptical that we see Dontavian Wicks in this game. Jaden Reed has been really good. Like this is like shades of uh, like 2012 Randall Cobb yes. based on like how yes. they're using him. Like they are using him some as a runner, uh, you know, like, and when we see uh, a team treat these wide receivers, like, Hey, we just have to get the ball in his hands any way we can. Like, I think that speaks to like one, like obviously like their desire to use him in a maximal way, but then two, like just this well-rounded skill set. And Jaden Reed, he was, you know, great in college, broke out in an early age, uh, you know, has got the draft capital. He can play inside and outside and they're using him, you know, kind of more exclusively as a um, as a slot receiver. But last week he actually did play outside more than he had at any point this year, just because there was no Christian Watson. There was no Dontavian Wicks. They needed him to play a little bit more outside. And so that could mean if he's playing more on the outside that he's seen more snaps just in general, because like they have limited him just to uh, three wide receiver sets as a slot guy. But if he's seen some run outside now uh, and even like two wide receiver sets, that means he has that higher ceiling. So I'm I'm into Jaden Reed this week, especially with the Buccaneers and the injury issues that they have on defense. Like I'm. I'm, I'm very positive. Like I'm going to need to think about how, how bullish I want to be with him. But, uh, Carlton Davis is out. Um, Jamil Dean, uh, you know, the other perimeter cornerback for the Buccaneers, he's probably going to play, but he's still listed as questionable. Like he's not close to hundred percent. Like there could be some serious blow up opportunity for Jaden Reed in this game. Right now, consensus ranks ahead of guys like Zay Flowers, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Drake, London, amongst others. So, yeah, when you take Watson out of that equation, he certainly is jumping up to the top. Romeo Dobbs, certainly a viable flex option in his own right, just not quite reaching the heights of Reed here in recent weeks. Cowboys wide receivers. Yes, we do have Brandon Cooks and Jalen Tolbert questionable with the illness, but the team has already told us that they do expect both players to be available. So make sure you guys are checking the injury. A lot of illnesses going around. I know they were talking about Devontae Adams on Thursday Night Football, catching whatever his kid brought home. I'm sure that is the case with a lot of these. So certainly not ideal, but we are expecting Cooks to be out there in his usual kind of upside wide receiver three role. Similar sentiment for Chris Godwin with the Buccaneers, you know, kind of been on and off the injury report throughout the season not missing any games though and he did get a full practice on friday after being at a dmp to start the week back to back so again not ideal but should be out there just not an overly exciting option only the consensus wide receiver 38 over in the fantasy life ranks so freeman i think people already have a good idea of cooks and goblin the interesting situation that we have a lot going on is in new england last week we obviously saw only juju taekwon thornton and jalen rager be active as the only wide receivers this week, though, they're getting Demario Douglas back. Thornton's now questionable with a midweek hamstring injury. Devontae Parker is questionable with a knee injury. Juju is questionable with an ankle injury. And Kayshawn Booty is coming back. So I know pretty much, especially this matchup against the Chiefs, like I'm not going to be recommending anyone to start any of these Patriots wide receivers. But if you had to look ahead a little bit and put your chip on one of these guys, maybe just maybe Demario Douglas can give us something down the stretch. Yeah, Demario would be the guy. Um, you know, we've seen the Patriots have success with these, you know, smaller out of nowhere slot wide receivers. And before the injuries uh, that Douglas has had, he was really functioning as the number one wide receiver in that offense. So, I mean, I guess that's something. But I mean, again, like maybe for DFS, you know, there's there's a little bit of intrigue there if you're you know kind of going to punt one uh, one wide receiver position here. But I'm really not all that interested in any of these any of yeah. these Patriots wide receivers. 
Not too exciting. I think I can run through. I'll run through the rest of these Freeman and then just toss it to you for one last one. But in Jacksonville, Zay Jones, good to go with the knee injury. If you guys are relying on Parker Washington at all, I will note that Jamal Agnew is now questionable with the shoulder. So if Agnew comes back, I'm not saying he's going to get the full-time role, but I do think him and Washington would be far more split than we saw last week. So very much just Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Evan Ingram show in Jacksonville right now. Josh Reynolds, questionable with a back injury, something he's been dealing with throughout the season if he is actually out of the picture though would be a nice little bump for Jamison Williams and we could also see Donovan Peoples-Jones or Khalif Raymond enter that DFS territory albeit none of those guys even if Reynolds is out looking all that enticing in an offense that loves the sun god those running backs and Sam Laporta Tutu Atwell questionable with a concussion for the Rams so if you guys happen to be relying on Demarcus Robinson as a low priced you know punt in DFS or god forbid a flex we'll keep an eye on that because it'll be pretty split I think otherwise in Tennessee Kyle Phillips out Nick Westbrook Akini questionable we don't care because we only like DeAndre Hopkins and I'm not even gonna okay Jason Brownlee I actually wrote about Jason Brownlee today that's how my day went but Freeman any notes on these guys you chose you made that decision I, to I made that to choice about Jason Brownlee <laughs> there was a moment where you thought do I want to be the completest and write about him? And you decided, yes. Uh, I I would not have crossed that bridge. I would have taken the path of laziness. Demarcus Robinson is the one guy who kind of stands out. You mentioned him. Uh, he's actually been kind of decent within that offense whenever Tutu has been out. So as the DFS punt play, he is someone who's intriguing, and, and we will be monitoring Tutu for that. Over at the tight end position, we do have Dalton Kincaid. Good to go. Had that thumb and shoulder injury, which he's kind of been playing through the last few weeks anyway. And yeah, we just note that in Dwayne McFarland's critically acclaimed utilization report, he did note that we actually saw Kincaid have a surge in his route participation despite the, uh, you know, insertions of Dawson Knox back in the equation. So someone that we don't have in the top five, I'll pull up the ranks right now. I think he's closer to kind of tight end eight. Yep, behind Jake Ferguson, Evan Ingram, Trey McBride, but still someone that, again, you shouldn't be overly worried about the return of Dawson Knox with. Over in Houston, and this just pisses me off, Friedman, because I feel just vindicated with my Dalton Schultz fade. When we take away the best rookie quarterback we've seen in some time, you know, we, there's no Nico Collins, there's no Tank Dell. This is why everyone drafted Dalton Schultz, because they thought he could be a target hog in this otherwise bad offense. And look where we have him ranked. He's like a tight end 20 on the week. I did not hear one person that touted Dalton Schultz say CJ Stroud is going to be this incredible rookie quarterback. And that's why. Uh, so, you know, I'm still wrong Friedman, but you know, somewhat vindicated. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's even, if you're going to be wrong, it's still nice to be wrong for the right reasons, there we you go. know, that <laughs> to be wrong for the wrong reason. So yeah, with you on, on Dalton Schultz, uh, I mean, it's, it's great that he's, you know, fully healthy and going to be out there and maybe he deserves a little bit more credit than we're giving him because of just like the total target vacuum that now exists in Houston, but I'm still not that interested on him and on, on Dalton Kincaid, uh, as you mentioned, and Dwayne highlighted in his piece, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, a little bit hidden because he had only 21 yards receiving last week, which might make people think like, oh, you know, now that um, I can't even remember uh, now that Dawson Knox is back, like, you know, sort of negative situation for Kincaid, but actually like kind of a positive situation, like eight targets last week. And, you know, he was out there running the routes. So even though we don't have him as uh, like a top five, uh, you know, tight end in this situation, still pretty optimistic about what we could get out of him. And I mean, again, like don't even let the non-top five part distract you. You brought it up on our flagship show. Like tight end is actually for the first time in a long time, pretty damn deep. And it looks like it could actually stay that way. So even though he's a tight end eight, I mean, in some weeks of the year, you know, or in the past, I'd actually think of his current role as more of like a top three at the position. So yeah. last point on Schultz. Again, it just comes down to Stroud being back. So, you know, one week miss with a concussion, that's reasonable. If we do have Stroud back against the Browns, who have lost a ton of safeties and cornerbacks to injury recently, and then the Titans in the same matchup in week 17 in Houston, guess what? Schultz is going to be right back in that top 10 discussion. So, hey, someone's cutting him this week. Might be a good time to stash him. Freeman Taysom Hill is good to go. Got in the full practice on Friday after missing one game. I mean, if you look at his last seven games prior to missing week 14, combined carries and targets, 
15, 9, 5, 16, 10, 10, and 9. So, yes, majority of those are carries, but we have seen the pass game role reach some new heights this year as well. And as we talked about with Alave, it would make sense if we see even more usage, uh, you know, if he is ultimately not going to be able to play as a game time decision. So, that's on Taysom Hill. Always a tricky guy to rank. Let's see. I think I came in as my tight end nine this week. I pretty much put him right behind that group of guys we just talked about. Jake Ferguson, Dalton Kincaid. Taysom Hill, I would play him ahead of guys like David Njoku, Isaiah Likely, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, earlier in the week, I was pessimistic that we would actually see Taysom Hill suit up. But, you know, given that he's been cleared, we are going to see him. He's in that, you know, tight end one category for me. So whether that's tight end 10, tight end 12, 13, like he's he's in that range. And what you have to really like about him is that the tight end position is so touchdown dependent. And because most of these guys, basically all of them, except for Hill, rely on targets, that means that it's much more volatile like for them to get a touchdown. But with Taysom Hill, because he is a goal line threat uh, in the running game, he has a much better chance week to week of scoring a touchdown than a lot of other guys do. So, you know, especially in the fantasy playoffs, that really makes him attractive because he's got that upside of being able to score a touchdown, maybe even multiple touchdowns in a game. And like, it's much smoother to be able to project him to score a touchdown uh, and like project the yards that he gets because a chunk of them are from carries. So yeah, very much on Taysom Hill in this spot. At home against the Giants, Tommy DeVito stops playing exactly like, you know, the second coming of God and everything. Maybe, just maybe, Taysom Hill ends up having one of those weak winning performances that we know he is always capable of. So Darren Waller is said he's going to, you know, quote unquote, I'm going into it with the mindset of playing and I'll see what happens. So it seems like he's on the right side of the questionable tag. That said, Freeman, he did admit that he will probably be on a pitch count whenever you hear pitch count, unless we're talking about a Tyreek or Justin Jefferson type. And even then, man, just really tough to feel at all confident about it. Darren Waller, not someone we have in the ranks right now, but Freeman, man, going to be someone I imagine is kind of with the Chagosia McConquos and Kate Ottens of the world, as opposed to anyone we're putting close close to that top 10 discussion. Yeah, I was going to say like tight end 15 feels like the absolute ceiling of yeah. where I would rank him and like tight end 20 I would probably feel a little bit more comfortable with. Final few notes, Greg Dolch is out for another week with a hamstring and foot issue. So can't trust anyone in the meantime, but just realize, hey, maybe just maybe we do get a receiving friendly tight end inserted into that Broncos offense for the last few weeks of the year, starting in week 16. Tyler Higby is back from the neck injury. We obviously saw Davis Allen do some decent things last week. So just realize Higby is back. Certainly, you know, a touchdown dependent tight end too. And a reasonable enough matchup. I mean, I like the idea of actually, you know, getting some Higby exposure on DraftKings uh, this weekend, but in terms of trusting him in the fantasy playoffs hey you know they're we'll probably have him around tight end 20 Friedman, but come on yeah i mean i don't really have much to say about higby he's like the least interesting part of that mm-hmm. offense at this point well said and also in carolina hayden hurst on ir we hope he gets better from that battle obviously he's going through recovering from the concussion ian thomas also out so tommy trumbull and stephen sullivan rotating inside the sad excuse of a passing attack all right guys other notes here just some key i just try to write down you can find all this on fantasylife.com in my injury article but just Position groups on defense or the offensive line, we have multiple people expecting to be out, one of which is in Cleveland. I know this defense is normally sick. And when you have Miles Garrett out there, you know, how bad can you truly be? Similar phenomenon with, you know, what Aaron Donald does with the Rams, uh, especially this year. So that said, though, Denzel Ward's still questionable. So are Anthony Walker and Jordan Elliott. And we also have Juan Thornhill, Ogbo Okonkwo, Grant Delpit, and Maurice Hurst all missing this one. Hurst and Delpit are, in fact, on IR and out for the rest of the year. So, man, Friedman, I mean, I feel like we're starting Justin Fields and DJ Moore, like, regardless. And it just doesn't, like, these alone don't make me it on Darno Mooney or anything. But just really, guys, be aware of just how banged up the Browns are right now before you go too overboard trying to bet on them on at home or anything. Absolutely. And from the sports betting perspective, it makes me interested in the Bears as plus three, plus three and a half underdogs. And uh, Cole Komet, you know, going against a defense that is missing its top three safeties. That is also pretty interesting. 
few other notes. Steelers are getting TJ Watt and a Landon Roberts back. So obviously a nice little spruce to their pass rush ahead of this matchup against uh, Gardner Minshew and company. The Eagles and Seahawks, who both have some banged up uh, secondaries, will get their injury designations on Saturday. But the Eagles have Darius Slay and Reed Blankenship dealing with knee and concussion injuries, respectively. And with the Seahawks, breakout rookie uh, Devon Witherspoon is dealing with a hip issue. Also, Jamal Adams, Nick Bellor, and Jordan Brooks injured in the linebacker room. Yes, that was slander at Jamal Adams. Also, Packers cornerback Jay Alexander questionable with a shoulder, as is Eric Stokes with a hamstring injury. Darnell Savage, Quay Walker also questionable for Green Bay. We mentioned Tampa Bay. Freeman said Carlton Davis out. Jamal Dean questionable. Also have Ryan Neal doubtful. Devin White questionable. And Vita Vea as well as William Goldston out of the picture. Vea doubtful for those, you know, wanting to be specific about it. Last other big one I had Freeman was just Dolphins cornerback Zayvon Howard questionable with a hip. And they also have safeties to Sean Elliott, Javon Holland, and even pass rusher Andrew Van Ginkle uh, questionable or out as well. So again, just a situation where, no, we're not feeling great about the Jets in general, but hey, it's a game the Dolphins should win and everything, but you take away Tyreek and the defense isn't even playing as good as they have lately. Uh, you know, hard to get two, two on the uh, Zach Wilson comeback train, Freeman, but doesn't seem like the sort of, you know, easy ho-hum win for the Dolphins that we might've thought it was a few short weeks ago. Yeah, and I might need to think just a little bit more about Garrett Wilson going against, as you mentioned, that Dolphins secondary, which is extremely injured. Yeah, I mean, again, if we had healthy X, healthy Jalen Ramsey, who is healthy, you know, to be fair, that's one thing. But hey, we know what Garrett, the one thing Zach's done for us this year is he's gotten Garrett, you know, 10 plus targets more weeks than not. So we do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Titans, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is out of the picture, as are a couple other defensive tackles. So we've already kind of seen their, uh, you know, run defense not be as great this year. But if you're brave enough to play Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary, I guess you can feel okay about that. And then Will Anderson Jr. for the Texans is also out this week. So maybe Will. Levis can have a nice little repeat. Jaguars corners remain banged up. And final note, I mean, if for real this time, is that Stefan Gilmore questionable with the onus, but is expected to be available. So we made it, Freeman. Maybe the biggest injury week we've had to go through, but we made it. No buys either. That that lengthens it out. <laughs> no buys at all. And hey, no, well, maybe some buys for you if you're lucky enough to get that first rounder there in the fantasy playoffs. But guess what, guys? Just go out there and win, baby. Listen to the late, great Al uh, Davis when it comes to that. So appreciate you guys tuning in to Fantasy Live Podcast. For Friedman, for producer Jane, from Ian, myself, you know, why not I say Ian? We'll watch the film and get better. Thank you again for tuning in to Fantasy Live Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.